the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, good afternoon, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Well, it was a very busy week. There's a lot of stuff we weren't able to cover. So today in the first hour of today's program in both Portland and Seattle, we're going to cover some of the headlines Of the last few days, including today. So we're glad that you're uh, with us. For those of you in the Portland area, the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show will feature the Christian Outlook. Some of the headlines. IDF says that military leaders are approving plans on the ground for for a ground operation in Gaza to eradicate uh, Hamas. That seems to be the determination this time around. Israel will permit Egypt to deliver limited humanitarian aid to the Gaza Strip through the border crossings of Rafah as the Israeli military continues its airstrikes on the, Paca- the uh, Palestinian territory in a campaign to eradicate the terrorist organization. Note the word eradicate. At least 4,800 people have been killed on both sides in the conflict, including at least 1,400 Israelis and 32 Americans. The State Department spokesman Matthew Miller said on Thursday that 32 Americans have been confirmed killed in the Israel-Hamas war. Another 11 Americans are unaccounted for, Miller told reporters at a news conference. With respect to our work to secure the release of hostages, that work is ongoing, he added. At least 4,800 people have been killed in the war on both sides, including at least uh, 1,400 Israeli civilians and soldiers since Hamas launched a surprise attack on October 7th. The Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry claims at least 3,478 Palestinians have been killed and more than 10,950 wounded. President Biden on Wednesday said that freeing Hamas hostages is his administration's top priority. How he's going about that? Unknown. There's no high, pri- no higher priority than the release and safe return of these hostages, the president said while in Israel. The president also pledged to ask Congress for an unprecedented support package for Israel's defense and said he would ask lawmakers for $100 million in humanitarian aid for Palestinian civilians in Gaza facing bombardment by Israeli forces. The concern is that funding goes directly through Hamas. The Israeli military said on Thursday there are a confirmed 203 hostages taken by Hamas and missing individuals in the Gaza Strip, including 30 children and youths and as many as 10 to 20 elderly. Another 100 to 200 people are missing and their fate is unknown, according to new IDF data. 13 American citizens remain unaccounted for and are feared to be held hostage in Gaza. Note the difference in numbers from the U.S. government and what the IDF has uh, Uh, has announced. IDF spokesman Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari said the families of these taken uh, captive have been notified and that the number is likely to rise as the military gathers more intelligence. That's according to the Jewish News Syndicate. Hamas is reportedly claiming that it will protect its hostages taken during the war with Israel and will only release them when circumstances on the ground allow. And that's in quotes. Those comments surfaced on Monday in a video messaging from Abu Abida. 
uh, whom Reuters says is the spokesperson for the Palestinian terrorist group's armed wing. Obayada said Hamas has a group um, has a group of detainees of different nationalities. These are our guests and we seek to protect them, end quote, according to Reuters. And said it with a straight face, I might add. We will release detainees of different nationalities when circumstances on the ground allow, he reportedly added without elaborating. Israel has amassed tens of thousands of troops on the border with Gaza and is anticipating to soon launch a ground invasion with the purpose of rescuing hostages and eradicating Hamas. A Biden administration official has resigned from the State Department, citing President Biden's announcement of material support for Israel. The official said he cannot work as the U.S. helps Israel in its war against the Hamas terrorist group. Josh Paul, who worked for the State Department's Bureau of Politically Military Affairs, uh, where he was responsible for transferring arms to key American allies, posted his resignation letter on social media. In it, he said, continued lethal assistance to Israel prompted his decision to leave. Today, I informed my colleagues that I have resigned from the State Department due to a policy disagreement concerning our continued lethal assistance to Israel, he wrote on LinkedIn. He added, I cannot work in support of a set of major policy decisions, including rushing more arms to one side of the conflict that I believe to be short-sighted, destructive, unjust, and contradictory to the very values that we publicly espouse. The U.S. Navy intercepted several missiles fired near the coast of Yemen on Wednesday, two U.S. officials say. It wasn't um, clear what the missiles were targeting. One official said the missiles were fired from Iranian-backed Houthi militants. Iran has provided the Houthi rebels with weapons amid the crippling war in Yemen. Well, the State Department is urging a worldwide caution alert on Thursday for Americans as tension increases due to the ongoing Israeli-Hamas war. The department cited potential for terrorist attacks, demonstrations or violent actions against U.S. citizens and interests in its alert message. It urged U.S. citizens abroad to exercise increased caution. Earlier this week, the State Department raised its travel alert advisory in Lebanon and warned Americans to avoid traveling to the country and increased protests and the unstable security situation there. Hezbollah, a Lebanon-based terrorist group, has been targeting rocket fire with the Israeli military for nearly two weeks. Well, Republican Ohio Representative Jim Jordan has called off the third speaker vote for now and plans to back Patrick McHenry of North Carolina As the temporary Speaker of the House of Representatives, according to reports, a source familiar with the congressman's plans say that Jordan will not be dropping out, that he will continue to run and try to shore up votes until January, until January, and that he remains Speaker designee. Regarding a third ballot, the source added, that's um, uh, honest to God to be determined. Got to see how this conference goes. Resolution may not have votes, end quote. Well, the House has twice voted now on Jordan for Speaker. Both votes failed. Kevin Roberts, uh, who is the president of the Heritage Foundation, slammed the news in a Thursday tweet saying the American people did not send conservatives to the House to empower Democrats through coalition government. The plan to expand McHenry's powers furthers the interests of the swamp at the expense of everyday Americans. Multiple Republican members of Congress who voted for Jordan to become speaker on Tuesday chose to vote for other candidates on Wednesday. 
212 Democrats voted for Democrat Majority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. 199 Republicans voted for Jordan. Seven voted for Steve Scalise of Louisiana. And five voted for former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy. Four Republicans withdrew their support from Jordan on Wednesday. Vern Buchanan of Florida, Drew Ferguson of Georgia, Marionetta Miller-Meeks of Iowa and Peter Stauber of Minnesota. At least two Republicans flipped in Jordan's favor on Wednesday. Doug LaMalfa of California, who voted for McCarthy on Tuesday, and Victoria Sparts of Indiana, who voted for Thomas Massey of Kentucky on Tuesday. Gus Bilarakis of Florida had been absent on Tuesday but voted for Jordan on Wednesday. On Tuesday, 20 Republicans voted for a candidate other than Jordan. He received 200 votes that day, while Jeffries received 212 votes and McCarthy received six. Well, ahead of the um, first vote, Jordan has seen a flurry of support from House conservatives who had formerly said they would not back him. Mike Rogers of Alabama and Wagner of Missouri, uh, Ken Calvert of California and Buchanan all announced support for Jordan this week. And the drama continues. All right. Second, uh, a second American journalist has been detained in Russia. This is the second this year. Uh, Radio Free Europe Radio Liberty editor Alsu Kermashiva was charged by Russian officials on Wednesday with acting as an unregistered foreign agent. Alsu is a highly respected colleague, devoted wife and dedicated mother to two children. The Radio Free Europe Radio Liberty acting president said she needs to be released so she can return to her family immediately. Well, Kirsch Mashiva was stopped and detained at the uh, Kazan International Airport while reportedly in Russia for a family emergency on the 20th of May. RFE claims the Russian authorities took her passport and later fined her for failing to register with the government. She was charged with failing to register as a foreign agent on Wednesday while waiting for her passport to be returned. Radio Free Europe is a media outlet funded and promoted by the U.S. government. She is the second American journalist this year to be detained by the Russian authorities. Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gerskovich was arrested seven months ago in the city of, well, never mind, uh, the first U.S. journalist detained by Russia since the Cold War. He has uh, made multiple court appearances appealing his confinement, but has been unsuccessful thus far. Russian authorities say Gerskovich, acting on the instructions of the American side, collected information constituting a state secret about the activities of one of the enterprises of the Russian military industrial complex. We're going to take a break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on this Friday. We're going to wind our way through some of the headline news of the last several days. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show as we look back at the news of the week and the news of today. President Biden arrived in Israel on Wednesday, where he held a brief press conference with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. They were quite friendly. In their remarks, both leaders highlighted the death toll, the atrocities committed by Hamas, and the impact on children in Israel. Biden also said Israel was not to blame for a rocket attack on a hospital in Gaza, which left, we were told, at least 500 people dead. That has now been downgraded to significantly fewer. I was outraged by the bombing of the hospital yesterday, based on what I I've seen it is, was done by the other team, the president said, not you. He was speaking to Netanyahu. But there's a lot of people, There's he says theirs, which should be there are, a lot of people out there 
who are not sure, the president added. The world is looking. Israel has a value set like the United States does and other democracies, and they're looking to see what uh, we're going to do, end quote. Netanyahu spoke first during the presser, applauding Biden for being the first U.S. president to visit Israel during a wartime. Calls from Capitol Hill lawmakers to freeze the $6 billion in Iranian funds reached through controversial negotiations increased this week. Nearly 20 GOP senators are calling on the Biden administration to freeze the funds that were released to a gutter account in exchange for five American prisoners last month. Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee led a group of GOP senators on Tuesday, urging the administration to limit Iran's ability to provide support to Hamas. She blamed President Biden for sending Palestine in over uh, $730 million in aid since uh, taking office through the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees. And yesterday we learned Hamas stole aid from that group. Blackburn said, I'll be introducing legislation to halt all funding for them until Iran is expelled from the U.N. and investigated for violations. We must permanently freeze the $6 billion ransom payment to Iran, she added. We must halt taxpayer dollars going to the Palestinians, and we must secure our own southern border, and we must stand with Israel. Meanwhile, Senators Tom Cotton from Arkansas, John Kennedy of Louisiana, and Minority Leader Mitch McConnell from Kentucky linked arms to introduce legislation to also freeze the assets from the Senate side. Joran Vandersloot, the prime suspect in the disappearance of Natalie Holloway, well, he has taken a plea deal after being charged in an extortion plot involving the Holloway family. Natalie Holloway was 18 years old when she took a senior trip to Aruba in May of 2005 with Mountain Brook High School. Holloway was last seen leaving a bar with Vandersloot, but she was never found or seen again. In January of 2012, a judge legally declared Natalie Holloway dead after a request from her father. Vandersloot is facing charges of extortion and wire fraud in the U.S. after allegedly attempting to sell Beth Holloway, Natalie's mother, information about the location of her daughter's body. Beth Holloway's lawyer, John Q. Kelly, said that Vandersloot is expected to take a plea deal, which is conditioned on him releasing details on how Natalie Holloway died and what happened to her body. He has now made that disclosure. Hundreds of protesters reportedly gathered at the U.S. Embassy in Beirut, Lebanon, Lebanon, on Tuesday night uh, after a rocket hit a hospital in the Gaza Strip. The protest came after a Hamas-run hospital in the Gaza Strip, the only Christian-owned hospital and the, uh, the largest, was hit by a rocket on Tuesday, resulting in hundreds of deaths. According to Reuters, more than 100 protesters were near the uh, uh, embassy carrying Palestinian flags. Tear gas was deployed near the embassy. The source told Fox News Digital that around 1,000 people, including supporters of Hezbollah, uh, went to the U.S. Embassy in Beirut after a rocket hit the Gaza hospital. The protest was driven by a Hezbollah statement for, for people around the Arab world to start protests in front of Israeli embassies. But given there isn't one in Beirut, protesters went to the U.S. and French embassies because of their aid to Israel, the source said. While protesters threw rocks and Molotov cocktails at demonstrations which caused a fire near the U.S. Embassy in Beirut. Jordanian protesters also attempted to storm the Israeli embassy on Tuesday. The Biden administration is facing an onslaught of opposition to its proposed fuel economy standards, 
which critics say would increase consumer costs and unfairly burden U.S. businesses. The Department of Transportation's National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, they received more than 62,900 public comments related to the fuel economy regulations it issued in July uh, during its uh, comment period, which ended Monday. The so-called Corporate Average Fuel Economy, or CAFE standards, received opposition letters from a wide range of stakeholders, including 26 states and the energy, agriculture, and automotive industries. NHTSA's uh, proposal is yet another attempt by the Biden administration to restrict Americans' freedom to decide what vehicle fits their needs and budget. Will Hupman, he's the American Petroleum Institute's vice president of downstream policy, in a statement. Combined with EPA's proposed tailpipe emission standards, these rules amount to a de facto ban on cars and trucks using liquid fuel, which can and should be a part of the solution to reduce carbon emissions, he went on to say. Well, the group, which is the nation's largest fossil fuel lobby organization, also argued NHTSA lacks the authority to implement regulations that effectively require electrification of a portion of the U.S. vehicle fleet. Morrissey and the other state attorneys um, general, they wrote our power grid already stretched thin by increasing electrification across all sectors and other government action could not handle the massive predicted uptick in EVs. And even if it could, we don't have the, uh, the supply chains to make that manufacturing increase feasible. At a minimum, U.S. manufacturers will have no option but to become embroiled with geopolitically troubling suppliers, they continued. The proposed rule cannot explain how our energy and manufacturing infrastructures will handle the EV wave if it wants to create, end quote. President Biden has done just one interview with a daily newsprint outlet since taking office, according to The Washington Post, on Tuesday, noting that the president has not sat down for traditional interviews with major print outlets. The Post noted that Biden has also sat down with ProPublica, an investigative journalism nonprofit, but has so far refused to sit down, as presidents have for decades, with The Washington Post or The New York Times for a print interview. The Post reported Biden has granted a sit-down interview with a, to a single daily news print journalist, the Associated Press's Josh Boak, after nearly three years in office. The report noted that he has held the fewest news conferences since George Herbert Walker Bush, 13 solo press conferences and 17 joint press conferences. Many of the briefings have only included a limited number of questions. Well, President Biden delivered an update on the U.S. response to Hamas, the terror attacks after his Israel trip on Thursday night followed by a number of initiatives to add funding in virtually every place one could imagine. Former President Donald Trump and President Biden are running neck and neck in the new 2024 presidential election poll, but the data suggests an independent bid by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. could upend the race in Biden's favor. According to a Marist poll released on Tuesday, 49% of registered voters said they would support Biden at 46% Trump and um, and uh, 5% remained undecided, all without Kennedy in the race. Those numbers shifted dramatically for Trump and Biden, with Kennedy running as an independent candidate, but appeared to hurt Trump's chances for reclaiming the White House more than Biden's odds of winning a second term. Middle East leaders withdrew from a meeting that was supposed to have been held while the president was in Israel as he traveled to the region. President Biden had not even exited the plane yet, 
The president's effort to tamp down tensions in the escalating war between Israel and Hamas faced massive setbacks even before he departed for the Middle East on Tuesday. As Jordan called off the president's planned summit of Arab leaders after a deadly explosion at a Gaza hospital killed hundreds, Biden um, only met with Israel and postponed his travel to Jordan, a White House official said, uh, as the president departed to return home. Hamas tried claiming Israel fired rockets at the hospital in Gaza after a missile intended for Israel misfired. Well, the Israeli Defense Forces on Tuesday night said it was not behind a blast at a hospital in the Gaza Strip, which, according to Hamas, health authorities led to hundreds of deaths, and that a misfired rocket launched by Gaza terrorists led to the explosion at the Al-Ali Baptist Hospital. Palestinians and much of the Arab world blamed Israel, saying it had struck the medical facility and that hundreds had been killed. Jerusalem was slightly condemned by, were rather swiftly condemned by Jordan, Turkey, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and many here in the U.S. IDF said, check your own footage before you accuse Israel. A rocket aimed at Israel misfired and exploded. A hospital was hit in Gaza. You had one job, Noah Rothman um, uh, went on to say. This is shaping up to be an unmitigated debacle for the news outlets, whose instinct was to run with Hamas's version of events. Daniel Rubenstein, he wrote, what do um, what do you call people who amplify Hamas propaganda, not just as news, but as the top news story of the world? There's no way that a professional military such as the Israeli Defense Force can give an instant answer about a a catastrophe in enemy territory during a war. It took around two to three hours for the IDF to share the results of its initial investigation that the explosion at the hospital was due to a rocket launched by Islamic Jihad that malfunctioned and crashed back into Gaza. More evidence is coming out as um, that was being written. The sad fact is that it appears that hundreds of Palestinians are dead at a hospital because terrorists in Gaza tried to fire rockets at Israelis and ended up hitting their own people. It's unbearably stupid and tragic, he wrote. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, Israel killed a top Hamas commander in airstrikes. The airstrike in central Gaza killed the, the commander Tuesday as Israel ramped up its targeted attacks on militant groups' hideouts, command centers, and infrastructures. Israeli forces killed Ayman Nofal, the most high-profile militant known to, be, to have been killed so far in the war, the Israel Defense Forces said in a statement. The Hamas military wing also confirmed Nofal's death. Nofal led Hamas's militant activities in the central Gaza Strip and was associated with the group's joint operations room that coordinated between Hamas, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and other militants in the territory. He was killed when Israel sent a strike into Bereji, a refugee camp in Gaza. The IDF said Nofal was also previously involved in the production and development of weapons and had been involved in the kidnapping of IDF soldier Gilat Shalit in 2006. President Biden is looking to request $100 billion in aid for Israel and Ukraine. The president uh, addressed Congress for at least $100 billion in supplemental funding to address Israel, Ukraine and domestic issues such as border funding and disaster aid, according to several people uh, and the president's um, speech. The funding levels, which would cover an entire year, have not yet been finalized and could change, according to the people involved. The request um, 
uh, was sent to Congress uh, on Friday after the president uh, returned from a trip to Israel. The effort comes as House Republicans struggle to elect a new speaker, which could complicate efforts to pass any bill swiftly. House Republicans have grown increasingly wary of providing taxpayer funds to Kiev, but may be more likely to do so if a request also includes money for the border and for Israel. Senator Tom Cotton is urging DHS Secretary Mayorkas to deport foreign nationals who support Hamas and other terror groups. Well, the senator urged the Department of Homeland Security secretary to deport any foreign national who has expressed support for Hamas since the militant group attacked Israel 10 days ago. I write to urge you to immediately deport any foreign national, including and especially any alien on uh, a student visa that has expressed support for Hamas and its murderous attacks on Israel. Cotton wrote to Mayorkas in a letter dated Monday. These fifth columnists have no place in the United States. The term fifth column, of course, refers to a group of people that attempts to undermine a nation's solidarity from written from, <coughs> excuse me, from within supporting its enemies. The Republican lawmaker cited the Immigration and Nationality Act as grounds for the immediate deportation of non-citizens from the country. <coughs> Federal law is clear that any alien who endorses or espouses terrorist activity or persuades others to endorse or espouse terrorist activity or support a terrorist organization is inadmissible and must be deported, he said. Jordanian King Abdullah is drawing lines and refusing to take in Palestinian civilians from the Gaza Strip as they attempt to flee Hamas. I can quite strongly speak on behalf of not only Jordan as a nation, but our friends in Egypt. That is a red line. I think that is a plan by um, a plan by certain usual suspects, Abdullah said in remarks on Tuesday. King Abdullah's remarks come as Egypt continues to keep its border with the Gaza Strip closed to humanitarian aid and refugees. Dr. Eli David points to 1948. Israel took in 800,000 Jewish refugees from surrounding Arab countries. 2023, King Abdullah of Jordan, there will be no refugees in Jordan and no refugees in Egypt. Tell me more about how much these Arab leaders care about their Arab brothers, end quote. Governor DeSantis sent two large planes filled with aid to Israel. He announced on Tuesday that his administration had sent the large planes full of supplies to Israel as the country wages war against the Palestinian territories and the terrorists, rather, uh, responsible for murdering 1,400-plus Israelis last week. The Republican presidential candidate sent 85 pallets of donated supplies that are expected to reach Israel in the coming hours. With a lack of leadership in Washington, we are stepping up to help our allies in Israel who are in need of supplies and our support, DeSantis said in a statement. As we continue to bring back Americans who were stranded in Israel when their war began, we will also keep sending the... Um, uh, necessary health care supplies for Israel to care for those who have been injured, end quote. A total of 85 pallets of supplies identified as critically needed by hospitals based in Israel were packed and prepared for shipping in less than five days. Governor DeSantis is taking action. Meanwhile, the U.S. ambassador visited the Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gerskovich in prison. This is the first time in some time. The U.S. ambassador to Russia, Lynn Tracy, visited the jailed Wall Street Journal reporter on Tuesday. Tracy's visit comes one week after Gerskovich lost an appeal to be released. The ambassador's office has not commented on the visit. 
Herskovich remains jailed in Russia, where he was detained in March of 23 on charges of espionage by Russia's Federal Security Service. Both the White House and the Wall Street Journal have denied the espionage allegations. The Wall Street Journal reports that relations between the U.S. and Russia have been severely strained since Moscow's invasion of Ukraine started in February of last year. Russian President Putin has blamed the U.S. for the war, saying that Washington has pursued a foreign policy that has destabilized the world and threatened Russia. Washington has condemned Moscow's assault on the smaller neighbor as unjustified. The U.S. and its European allies have imposed tough sanctions on Russia, and they're providing large-scale military and economic aid to Ukraine in its fight to expel Russian forces from its territory. Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders has ordered a Chinese-owned company to sell its U.S. agricultural land and go. Well, Tuesday, the attorney general ordered an agriculture company that parts of uh, a larger company run by the Chinese government to sell the land it owns in Arkansas. Governor Huckabee Sanders, she signed Act 636 earlier this year. It bans foreign entities from owning Arkansas agricultural land. Northrop King Seed, which is ultimately owned by the government-run Chem China, owns about 160 acres of land in Craighead County, um, A.G., uh, Tim Griffin said uh, Griffin gave the company two years to divest itself of the land. He also imposed a civil penalty of two hundred and eighty thousand dollars for a failure to file required documents in a timely manner. In addition to um, Act 636, Governor Sanders has also signed Act 525, a ban uh, drones made by Chinese by Chinese and Russian companies, as well as. Um, Act 758 to prohibit public contracts with the Chinese Communist Party. Iran's foreign minister is threatening uh, Israel, saying time is running out. Well, the Iranian foreign minister, Hossein Amir Abdulhalian, or something very like that, warned Israel that time is running out during a televised interview earlier this week and said that it is inevitable that Iran's proxies in the region will soon intervene in the Jewish state's war with Hamas, unless Israel capitulates. Time is running out very fast, Abdullahian, or again, said during a live televised interview with Iranian television. It's the state te- uh, television on Monday night. If the war crimes against the Palestinians are not immediately stopped, other multiple fronts will open, and this is inevitable. The Iranian official provided the interview after returning to Tehran from meetings with terrorist leaders throughout the region. He met with the top political official in Hamas, uh, in Gutter, and uh, the leader of Hezbollah in Beirut. He also met with President Bashar al-Assad in Syria, of Syria in Damascus. President Biden announced $100 million in U.S. aid to Gaza and the West Bank. The president announced that the U.S. would send $100 million in humanitarian assistance for Gaza and the West Bank. This money will support more than a million displaced and conflict-affected Palestinians, at least in principle, including emergency needs in Gaza, the president said during a speech on Wednesday while still in Israel. A U.S. official said the aid uh, would come from existing funding already approved by Congress. The president warned Hamas not to steal or divert the humanitarian aid that countries around the world are funneling into the region. And the chances of that, well, slim to none. Biden announced $100 million of new funding funneled to the Palestinian Authority, essentially Hamas. 
Pro-Palestinian protesters marched on the Capitol Rotunda in D.C. on uh, Wednesday. Pro-Palestinian demonstrators swarmed the Cannon Rotunda on Capitol Hill in D.C., with hundreds of protesters demanding a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. Footage from inside the Cannon office building showed a large group of chanting ceasefire now and calling for Congress to demand the fighting stop in Israel. The protesters were spotted wearing black T-shirts reading, Jews say ceasefire now. Jews say ceasefire now. U.S. Capitol Police said demonstrations are not allowed inside the congressional buildings and work to clear the crowd, unsuccessfully, I might add. The U.S. Capitol uh, Police said arrests in the Cannon Rotunda and the rolling round closures are ongoing. Amongst these arrests, three people have been arrested and charged with assault on a police officer during the processing. The scene in the Cannon uh, House Office Building Rotunda, um, as these sympathizers under the banner of calling for a ceasefire, was a rather unusual sight. Meanwhile, on the heels of an explosion at a Gazan hospital that left hundreds dead on Tuesday, Hezbollah called for Wednesday to be a day of unprecedented anger, urging Arabs and Muslims to unite to rebuke President Joe Biden, his planned visit to Israel amid the intensifying war with Hamas. Let tomorrow, Wednesday, be a day of unprecedented anger against the enemy and its crimes and against the Biden visit to the Zionist entity to cover and protect this criminal entity, the terrorist organization said in a statement. The call came as Iran warned Israel that Hezbollah was close to entering the war with Hamas, which American officials have sought to prevent. Israeli officials are concerned that Hezbollah, which is estimated to have approximately 20,000 soldiers, is preparing to launch a full-scale attack on Israel's northern border. The terrorist group has approximately 150,000 rockets in its arsenal that could easily dwarf the recent rocket attacks launched by Hamas. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in a moment for our final segment of the first hour of The Georgine Rice Show, at which point uh, we'll lose our Seattle listeners, but the Christian outlook will uh, come in the second hour here in Portland. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, a New York Times headline took the word of the terrorist group Hamas <clears throat> very seriously and went unchallenged. They got it wrong, but the damage is done. Scores of Palestinians are dead after a blast late yesterday at a hospital in Gaza, a horrific tragedy Hamas immediately blamed Israel for. And then so did the paper of record. Very soon after the incident, the New York Times published a story with the headline, Israel's strike kills hundreds in hospital, Palestinians say, and sent it out as a breaking news notification. They did so relying on Hamas's word on the matter. Israeli authorities soon after denied responsibility. An IDF spokesperson said that no Israeli aircraft had been operating in the area of the hospital at the time of the explosion. Israel has released footage, they say, shows that the hospital was struck by a wayward missile fired from within Gaza. Realizing their mistake, editors at the time changed the headline on their homepage to at least 500 dead in strike on Gaza hospital, Palestinians say. And even that number, we're now being told, was uh, exaggerated. And then changed it again, at least 500 dead in blast at Gaza hospital. Palestinians say. So in the space of several hours, it went from an Israeli strike to an ambiguous blast. Islamic Jihad struck a hospital in Gaza. The IDF did not uh, list to, uh, to uh, listen to the terrorists as they realized this themselves. The free press uh, IDF 
also reported. A major law firm rescinded its uh, offers to law students for supporting Palestine. The U.S. law firm Davis Polk and Wardwell on Tuesday rescinded job offers to law students who signed on to public statements supporting Palestine in the wake of the Hamas deadly attacks in Israel following a similar move by fellow law firm Winston and Strawn last week. Davis Polk's managing partner, um, Neil Barr told members of the New York-based firm on Tuesday that it had revoked job offers to three law students in leadership positions at Harvard and Columbia University groups that issued statements regarding the um, latest wave of violence in the Middle East. Spencer Brown says in another uh, internal email viewed by Bloomberg Law, uh, shown the firm's uh, chair and managing partner, Neil Barr, calling the anti-Israel statement simply contrary to our firm's values and explaining we thus concluded that rescinding these offers was appropriate in upholding our responsibility to provide a safe and inclusive work environment for all Davis Polk employees. Rabbi Shmuel Reichman said that Davis Polk, one of the country's most prestigious law firms, announced in an internal email that it has rescinded letters of employment to the three uh, Harvard Law students and Columbia um, Law School students as well, who signed the organizational petition. This is just a reminder that everything we do in life matters, everything, and everything we do in life has consequences, everything. The average 30-year fixed mortgage rate has hit the highest level since 2000 at 8%. The average rate on the popular 30-year fixed mortgage rate hit 8% Wednesday morning. That's the highest level since mid 2000 The milestone came as bond yields soar to levels not seen since 2007. Mortgage rates fell, um, uh, followed loosely to yield the 10-year U.S. Treasury. President Biden's overall approving rating, approval rating rather, dropped to 37 percent in a poll released on Wednesday, a near record low for the president as he heads into an election. The latest CNBC All-America Economic Survey conducted the 11th through the 15th of this month showed the president's overall approval rating at its uh, second lowest point in his presidency, one point higher than the record low of 36 percent approval in July of 22. President Biden's disapproval rating rose to a record high of 58 percent, one point above the disapproval rating in July of 2022. Just the News reports that foreign policy stands as one of the current commander-in-chief's biggest weak spots, with 31% approving of him on the issue overall. 60% oppose his handling of the issue. A Cornell professor was exhilarated by the Hamas attacks on Israeli civilians. Sometimes it seems that the smartest people are also the dumbest. Academia is rife with this problem, and a Cornell University professor, in the latest example, It was exhilarating. It was energizing. Russell Rickford, an associate professor of history, told a crowd about Hamas's gruesome attack on Israel last week. And if they weren't exhilarated by this challenge to the monopoly of violence, the shifting of the violence of power, then they would not be human. It was exhilarating. Isn't that how you would define a sociopath? They get some sort of thrill out of the uh, torture and murder of the innocents? Well, he got some applause, and the crowd also chanted the anti-Semitic refrain, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, essentially the annihilation of the Jewish state. Hamas murdered more than 1,400 people in that exhilarating attack, including 30 Americans. The shameless Rickford could use some remedial history and perhaps another job. How secure is the border? 
Now, conservatives who decry the president's open border policies are suggesting that anyone can get into the U.S. without much hassle. Axios explains, but the reality is that the southern border is more fortified than it's ever been. Huh, that's a howler. Well, the rest of the report supposedly debunks the open border myth by pointing to uh, record arrests at the border and vastly increased numbers of Border Patrol agents. Besides, Axios tells us, border security and the Border Patrol itself has racist roots tied to the KKK. There's no mention of the 1.6 million known gotaways or the unknown number who cross without an encounter with law enforcement or the millions the president is releasing into the U.S. And other news uh, from the totally secure border, an illegal alien killed two people in separate attacks in Nashville this past week. And Chicago, where the DNC is set to hold its 2024 convention, is so utterly overrun with those uh, in the country outside the law that Mayor Brandon Johnson has announced a trip to the border. He has since changed his mind and canceled. Maybe that's because Axios convinced him that the border is, well, closed. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We've got news and traffic coming up here at the top of the hour in Portland. Say, uh, Seattle, you'll be signing off. We'll talk with you on Monday. I hope, hope you have a great weekend. And the Christian Outlook will follow here in Portland for the second hour. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.